Welcome back, perfect peeps, to Perfect Dad Deb. Today we have Debbie. Debbie is the head developer advocate at Bit. Debbie's also a Microsoft MVP, GitHub star, if you can't tell from behind her, uh, Google GDE, Cloudinary MDE, Auth0 ambassador, and Nuxt ambassador. In her free time, which I don't think she has any, Debbie's also loves to run and bike. Welcome, Debbie. Hi, thanks. Thanks for having me here. <laughs> yeah, I had to point out all your uh, GitHub stuff because pre-show we were talking about your Octocat behind you. So I know, it's so beautiful. And all the GitHub yeah. star stuff, it's awesome. Love- I know, I get so many like presents and awards and stuff. It's really cool. Well, you kind of do a lot of things, so it's probably uh, very uh, very equal to what you're doing. <laughs> I know. I have no life. I don't sleep. <laughs> <laughs> you do You do like 10,000 workshops and get like a mug. I mean, that seems totally fair. <laughs> so Debbie is here to talk all about composing modern applications with BIT. And if you are wondering what BIT is, you can go to bit.dev, but we're going to talk all about it on today's podcast. Um, there are a couple moments where we're probably going to do a lot on the video side. So if you're missing out on the audio side, go ahead and jump on YouTube and we'll be showing it off there. So thank you. All right, Debbie. First off, what the heck is BIT? <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'm going to rephrase the question. What do you think it is? Ooh, uh, a composable component library for web stuff. A way to build design systems. Ooh. Ooh, I like that. Sounds great. Um, yeah, so Bit can be whatever you want it to be in a way. Um, Bit is a tool for building component-driven development. So if you want to build a design system, a component library, uh, an application, anything that's involving components, then Bit is there to help you build components because normally we build applications, right? And we all say, yeah, but we build, we all build components, right? Because we're building our application with components and we put the components in the app. So we're building component-driven in our mind. And I used to think like, yeah, I build component-driven. All my application is made out of components. And they're like, yeah, but your components are stuck in your app. I'm like, yeah, but that's cool. I don't need them anywhere else. It's like, yeah, but when you scale and build another application, what do you do? I just copy and paste them and put them in the other repo. It's like, yeah, what about you build another one? Yeah, I just copy and paste and put another one. And then like, and then you got like, you know, these three applications you're now trying to maintain that same component that you're maintaining across those repos. And now it's complete and utter disaster. And it's okay in my case, because I do only have one app for my website, you know, and I maybe might have another one in the future for my streaming stuff or whatever. But imagine a large enterprise um, that has many applications and trying to maintain all those components, all those applications, all those repos is a nightmare. So Bit makes it easier by basically allowing you to have components that are individually kind of packaged and like put in a cloud and then can be brought down and used anywhere. If so can we sense. talk about like what kind <laughs> of uh, components you're actually creating when you're doing this? Um, so like Angular components, Vue components, uh, just straight up web components built in Stencil or something. Does that work for everything? Yeah. So at the moment we have React support, React Native, Node, Angular, and um, Lit elements. So Vue is coming soon. I know I've been promising this for ages, but we <laughs> we we are. Vue is next on the list, and Stencil would be like you know also on that list. Um, like the idea is to, you know, have that you can do everything, but at the moment we obviously need to build compilers specifically for, you know, that kind of framework and stuff. So it has to be done in the kind of order, but, um, 
but yeah, your building components take React. That's the most um, the one we have the most. Um, well, what what do you say? Um, support or example? Su yeah, support for and ex and demos and everything for it. So it's like the best one at the moment. And Angular is like next in line, and there's a lot of work being done on the Angular one. So it's just getting better and better and better. You know, I haven't heard you say Svelte yet. <laughs> I know, I know. Rich Harris will kill me. Um, yeah, I would love to get Svelte support in there as well because that's definitely it's, it's a definitely an, um, an upgrowing like framework that is going to get better and better, and more people are going to to use it for sure. Um, maybe we could just get Rich to help us build a compiler for it. That would be fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Um, so, in a typical flow. And I just want to break this down. So I, I think I might understand it again. Um, like Brittany designs things and she often will help me either code them or I will code them. But mm -hmm. at the end of the day, we will have like a component, whether it's a search bar or something like that. Is that still typically the, the process? Like someone is creating it in like Figma and then we're creating a component and then we... Do we load that to bit or do we load it to like an internal NPM still? How, do, how does that work? Yeah, so I would normally take the Figma design and embed it into my component documentation. So okay. while I'm building the component, I've got the Figma file there and I've got my composition of what the component will look like rendered on its own. And then I can see, like, make sure, you know, is it okay? Or just like being able to click and open that Figma file because I always get lost in Figma because there are like so many designs everywhere. Yeah. So <laughs> uh, being able to find it very easily is really important to me. Um, when we build bit components, it's the only difference between like, you know, your main component and a bit component is that we build them in a folder. So say you're building that search bar, maybe it's called search bar in a folder that has an index file that exports the component. Then you have the component file. Then you have the test file because we should all be writing tests. <laughs> then you have the documentation file because you want to document that component because if you're going to use it, other people are going to use it. They need to know how to use it, what it does, what the API is, you know, what prop types, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. And then um, you want the composition one, which is basically how you can see that that search bar under different, you know, with different props, et cetera, um, with different looks and feels, maybe different theme, et cetera. So You've got to do a little bit of extra work because you have more to do, but you gain so much more. Now we have generators, so you just got to generate and they'll just generate all those files for you. And then you just, you have to write the test yourself, sorry. And then, <laughs> But yeah, you do that and then you add your documentation, but all the components, um, when you create them, all those files are created for you. So once you have that component, you've got that search bar and now you can decide again, are you working locally or are you actually pushing it to the cloud? So you could be working locally for ages um, building an application and then export everything later on. Or you could be, you have an application already and you're just adding something new to it. So then it will export that component, which you can export it wherever you want. The best one is obviously to export it to the bit cloud because you get better integration. Just kind of like saying Next.js, it's better to deploy to Versal because you're going to get, you know, a lot more cooler things. But you can also deploy a Next.js app to, to Netlify and there's no problem, right? So you can self-host the components yourself. You could publish them to NPM yourself if you want, or you can publish them to the BitCloud where you're gonna get a much better experience. But again, that's up to you. Then yeah, once they're okay. on the cloud, they're easy to see. You can find them. We have like, you know, the same local development environment is now on the cloud where you're actually able to have that same user experience. You can see that Figma file and you can see that component composition. And then your, your product manager, your designer can just open that link and say, 
oh my God, you did a terrible job. Or <laughs> yeah, that looks perfect and um, et cetera. So, and then once it's like, you know, on the cloud, then it's easy to just get that link and use it using NPM or using Yarn to install it into any application. So if we're okay. using React, for example, you can install it into your Next.js application, into your Gatsby application, into your Create React application, or just into another component. Um, are people using like Storybook to show this off or is there a way in Bit to like kind of show the components and then show them being composed as well? Yeah, so we have our own compositions which um, is basically your way of showing it in different you know, states, et cetera. Okay. Storybook does give you a little bit extra, I think. So it depends on what you want, um, but it's also a lot more work. You know, you're in Storybook, do you need that amount of things, et cetera? Like they have all the knobs and things like that. So that's again up to you. If you already have everything built in Storybook, then it's just easy to just bring Storybook into it because there, you've already got that stuff created. So just integrate it with Bit and you've got it. And if okay. you don't, then you could just build it through our compositions and then you've got it there as well. So that's just completely up to you how you want to work. Does Bit provide you just a GUI to look through like the stuff that you develop locally once you push it up to the cloud or does it have something like a CMS where designers and other people besides developers could input into it? Yeah, so we don't have the collaboration um, part right now, we will have it on the roadmap, but be to be able to like comment and say, that's what we are missing for hundred percent. Um, so at the moment it's, it's not just the GUI to see it, but what you're seeing as well is like the documentation, the composition, the tests, you can actually see that the tests are passing, uh, what tests are written, right? Because sometimes you could write a terrible test, you know, mm -hmm. it should render with text. Sometimes I write terrible tests, but you can actually see those tests. You can see the dependency graph. So you can actually like see what components are being used by that component and how it was constructed. And then you might say, oh, that component has got like some library I don't want to use or some JavaScript something or I don't know, whatever. And then you can see all the versions of that component. So you can actually see the whole change log and go back in time and you can install a specific version of that component because maybe the updated version is too modern for your one for whatever reason. I don't know why, whatever. React 17 to 18 and you want the React 17 version of the 18 version. I don't know. Um, so you can see all those things in that exported version. So it's then it's very easy for you to make a decision on, do I like that com component? Should I use that component? Is that component, you know, going to suit my needs, et cetera? And yeah, it's it's uh, not just giving you the component. Like on NPM, you just see the component, right? Yeah. You get a, you get a lot more. So it gives you more stuff there. You mentioned being able to use the props and seeing that in different ways. So is there some sort of code sandbox where you can plug in different props to that component? Yeah, there's there's a live playground in the documentation. So basically you can play around with it and you can see it change live and then it's you can break it, you can, you know, <laughs> add your own stuff to it and you can see. And then it's very easy for you as you're playing with it to then kind of go back to the developer and say, hey, I'm missing this prop or this doesn't work as expected. And that's how the collaboration, you know, comes in. Um, that basically the component, when, it, when it's designed by the designer, sometimes it's missing stuff, right? Sometimes the designer designed one thing then the developer starts to use it and it's great. But then the next developer goes, oh, but I need this. And as they're playing in the playground, without actually even using it, they can then go back and ask, you know, the designer to implement it, the developer to implement it, and then they can go and use it. Or they can say, no, nope, I need a new component. I'm going to build my own based on that component. And you can also see all the code, right? So you can just click the code and actually see it. So you could even just copy the code and 
build a new component based on that if that's what you needed, right? That actually leads to my next question. So if the, <laughs> if you pick a framework and you build it in, say, React, and you push that React code up, is everything then in React or could you use that in other frameworks? No, it's everything's in React. So it would it would have like a peer dependency of, of React and it would, it would okay. need React. You could exactly. then decide to do all that other stuff to get components rendered from React into Angular and all, if that's what you wanted to do, but you'd have to do that yourself. When you talk about like the dependencies like that, I'm I'm used to building. We've we've built like large scale MFEs, sorry, micro front end um, for Angular, and we often use NX for that. And NX can tell you like when a component is used in anything, and it only tests those areas. Is that something that Bit can handle, or is that like it's beyond the scope of Bit? So in what way and what are we calling a component here? <laughs> yeah, sure. So let's say, um, for instance, uh, we have a search bar and a search button. This is a terrible mm -hmm. example, but yeah. <laughs> um, I like we, buttons. <laughs> we know that that button um, affects the search bar because it's used mm -hmm. within like an outer wrapper. And so we have version one to version two of that button coming out. So it knows it only has to test that when we go to build it and not the entire like tree down uh, to like the page below it as well. Is that something Bit can do or does it not understand like the the tree of components? Yeah, no, so Bit can, Bit understands everything that it depends on. So that's why okay. we have the whole dependency graph of every single component. So if you're in your workspace is what we call it when we're building say the component library, right? So we're in the component library workspace where we have our button component and our search bar component. And if we modify that button component, for example, I don't know, add a new prop to it, we mm -hmm. modify that, it's going to auto tag every component okay. that is using it. So the search bar will go, I need a new version that's going to include that new button. Um, and yeah. every other component, it's going to just like auto tag everything for you. So then you just make one change and then you export it. Now, if you're using that button in another um, repo, for example, another workspace, then it's a different story, right? Because it can't auto tag it because you're somewhere else. Yep. So then it's up to you to install it and say, I need to bump up that version, right? And, and that, that's, yeah, I was going to say, that's where the versioning actually saves you, right? You could stay on an older version of the component then. Exactly. Unless someone changes the back end for that data and doesn't tell you. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> horror stories. Um, this might be a good time to dive into some of our more... Um, visual examples. Do you want to talk a bit about the scope graph? Okay. Bring it up here. Oh, if I share my screen, we could. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's going to be one. I can't see anything. You'd think by now we'd have learned how to share screens, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So this is um, a scope graph of um, a load of different scopes, right? Scopes are where your components, you know, where you put your components. So um, you can have teams owning scopes. So you might have like in this in this example, um, it's kind of hard to see on my end. <laughs> so I'm trying to read it, <laughs> but you Let's can have see. like the- Does that work better? No, it's just a little fuzzy, but it's okay. Don't worry. Okay. Um, so yeah, the e-commerce one is a scope, right? So that, that's a, a team that works on e-commerce components. What are e-commerce components? Product cards, shopping cart, anything to do with e-commerce, right? And that's one specific team. And they're using the components from the base UI, um, from the base UI scope. And the base UI are like your buttons, your search, 
things that are used across multiple different, you know, applications, much, much more like your component library, right? And then you've got, um, I've got a few different examples here, but you've got the React shoe store down the bottom and the shoe store is using the e-commerce one and it's using, yeah, nice that you clicked that because then you can see the arrow of where it's going and you can see its dependencies and you can also see its dependence. If you click on the other um, tab on the right, you'll see the actual dependence of that as well. So this has no dependence, right? Because the shoe store is like, you know, the top level, the e-commerce has a lot of dependence, right? Base UI, electronic store, perfume store, shoe store, sports store, made loads of stores. <laughs> you can't <laughs> buy anything, but it's all good. So this is how you can kind of see what's going on and how you, how your libraries or your, your scopes are being used, who's using what and how the connections are. Um, and that's basically and so, how you'd separate things. So they're all actually in individual repos in Git, in GitHub. And, and just to like reiterate, cause it's kind of blowing my mind a little bit. These, all of these different um, components could be created in different ways as well. So you could have like Angular elements versus stencil building something versus XYZ, correct? Um, so these are earlier with React, yeah. right? Yeah, these are all React. This is a React project. Okay. Then we have this the exact same project in Angular. And what we're doing in Angular is we are sharing certain components that can be shared across React and Angular. What are those kind of components? CSS components. Right, they're okay. they're able to share entity components. So our product card needs a lot of entity data, you know, like the um, the basically the types and stuff, right? So yep. that's being shared because we want the same JSON to come back with the same types. We want to make sure that that's okay. So the Angular project is using certain things, but it's not using specific React code. Any kind of JavaScript helpers as a component, for example, um, it could use that, but it can't use a React component, yeah. right? Okay, so yeah. that. Does this avoid like a build process on the end? Because we're using the same framework, we don't actually need to have a build step in there to do this process, right? So the build stuff is done like um, at your, when you're building the application, right? So when you're building the application, um, the components then are, they're basically, they're not built as such, right? Because yeah. if you're using SAS, then you need at your application level to include SAS. But right? you don't so have to compiled. compile these components no. in like another extra step. It's just whatever your application needs, they're in there. Yeah. So that's so where something like having Spelt, I think, might be nice because it has that compiler built in, but you do add that build step. So that's why mm -hmm. I was trying to get to that, because if you had a compiler and a compiled component, maybe you could use Angular, Vue, React. You could use whatever yeah. you wanted in many different teams, and then it could all compile to just the HTML, CSS, and JavaScript. Yeah, no, these are not compiles. These are like, it needs just, to go to that step at app level. Gotcha. It's tricky too, because with certain languages, like if you're trying with Angular, I would assume you would still need the Angular library as part of that. And so that becomes yeah. part of the application, unless yeah. you like iframe that piece in or something like that. And then you're like, Which oh. gets fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We have a whole talk about that with Alex Gogan. Go check it out. <laughs> So I wanted to show off um, the other example that you had brought up with the shoe store. Let me pop that up a sec. So this is this is also another way to kind of look at the different composition, correct? Yeah, so this is the highlighter here. And um, like this can open in another window if you press the, um, the arrow button, but you can leave it as here, it's fine. Okay. Um, but as you're scrolling over with the highlighter, you can actually see where each component is coming from. So the, that button there is uh, the theme toggler. That's from the base, the React UI, that button. 
uh, is coming from the base UI library. Um, this is coming from Team Bit Design, right? I'm actually, this is not even in any of my repos, it's coming from someone else because they just built a really good component that I decided I didn't want to build it myself. I'll just take theirs because it works. So that's coming from someone else's, not from mine, which is, you know, totally possible. Um, the hero, this is like base UI, the button is base UI. And down below the product card, that's going to be coming from e-commerce. Um, so the UI card, yeah, so this is a basic UI card and the UI heading. So basically, yeah, it shows you where everything is coming from. I think the, the price is coming from the e-commerce. Um, yeah. So Where is the site coming from? Where is the site Is this something from? you built with just components, like putting, piecing them together? Well, what is an application? It's just a component, <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> so it's just a component. So just you just put components component. together to build that page. It's not like feeding in from a website or anything live. Yeah. No, if you go, if you go back, Alex, to that, that example, yep. I'll, I'll talk you through it a bit more. So in this case, you can see the pages, right? So the pages are like all my pages there. The about page is very okay. ugly. Um, but like the children page is a bit nicer, <laughs> for example, <laughs> um, which has all the children's shoes, right? And the men has all the men's shoes and stuff. You can scroll down and you'll, you'll see, you'll see the page. This is the documentation here, right? So these are just pages, which means then, um, I can take those pages and I could actually just drop it into a next application, a create react application, et cetera, mm -hmm. just as that actual page. In this case above, I've actually created We've actually created an application that's using Create React app under the hood, which is why you are seeing, you know, the application, et cetera. Sorry, my mouse died during that example, but. <laughs> I saw. <laughs> um, but yeah, so, so basically this is, this is just a page component um, in bit. Everything is a component. So your component can be as small as a button or as big as an application. Oh, okay. So if I get to the outside, I guess you can't see the tag. It's probably up above, but there's that. Yeah, right I see the pink the outline. Yeah. yeah. It's outlining the page component. That's cool. And then the app, if you go to the shoe store, actually, I can show you um, a little bit about um, just get rid of that banner at the top because um, then it'll be easier. It oh, always just yeah. gets in the way. And now, right, see the code? Um, when you go across from dependencies, yeah, see the code block. It's I I never see it as a code block, but it is, right? <laughs> so we, yeah, <laughs> if you um go to the TS file, which is the app.tsx file, yeah. So this is the application, right? And you can see I'm importing all those pages. Um, so importing the home page, the women page, the men page, the children, the about. They're all pages just being imported. And there's the header and the footer being imported to make up what's you know in between it. Um the layout, the link, the theme. And then I've got like, just as you would construct any app, your browser router, um, your switch, your root path in there between the header and the footer. And that's what's rendering the pages. How would you now, install these? Are these NPM components or is does it have a CLI that you can install those? Yeah, so if you go to the use box on the top right, see that green box, yeah? This will tell you how to use it. So oh, cool. The first one is bit because maybe you're creating a bit workspace. So you can just copy that and then bit install it. And then you're like, you know, working with bit, it's just like easier. But if you were in, you know, create React app or Next.js and you don't have bit as part of your application, then you would just use NPM or Yarn, depending on whichever your favorite is. And the only thing you have to do is um, you see that bit at the bottom that says configure as a scoped registry. So you just have to set that up, which basically it's just a little extra step that adds it to your is it the NPA or I don't know, whatever file it is. If yeah. you click that, it'll tell you. 
And you just run that once and then it's going to store that into that file. And then it basically allows you to use NPM or Yarn to install those components. Um, or you can use Bit and just install them. And then it's just using it like you would any NPM package, like, you know, import it and, and use it. Yeah, that's really cool. I, we've done that quite a bit. And it's interesting because when you have protected NPMs, you can put it in your NPM RC and then just pull it in as that scope. So that's yeah. really neat. Um, can you talk a little bit about just as we were going through that, what the difference or what more of the benefit is to hosting on BitCloud then? If, if, if I was sitting down like with my boss and said, we, we have to do this, um, is uh -huh. there like these seven things BitCloud's better at than just hosting out of NPM ourselves? Well, if you're going to host it on NPM, have you ever hosted a load of components on NPM? Yeah, it's rough. <laughs> yeah. So um, basically, like, um, even if you're hosting on, on NPM with Bit, we're going to manage the package JSON for you and stuff like that. So you don't have to do all that. So it's easy to export it. And it's easy to publish them on NPM. And I have a few components up there. I can never find them, right? Because they don't have that searchability. They don't have that that ease of like finding things, um, the user experience, you know, et cetera. So you can also export to NPM and export to BitCloud. So you can actually do both if you want to, for whatever reason, maybe you just wanted to have them on NPM as well, because that's also possible. Um, but then there's a couple of other things that we're building that's coming in, which is not released yet, but it's in the pipeline, which is something called Ripple CI. And that's basically what will allow you to see that search bar and you've updated that button. Now the search bar and button are in different places. And Ripple CI is going to say, hey, that search bar is going to look like this with the new button. Do you accept those changes? So it's going to have that more um, continuous integration kind of um, thing built into it. And that's kind of where it's more, you're getting more benefits because you're getting the integration with the CI, et cetera. Gotcha. How does the versioning work with that? Does it bump it automatically if you create a new version of the component? Or do you have to manually do that? So if you're in the same workspace, it manually, like it bump, it automatically bumps it for you because you're, you know, obviously going to use it. Your that component is affected by it. End of story. But if you're installing it, which is like, you know, different, you're now um, yeah. in a different repo, completely separate from this one component. Mm -hmm. Then you have to install it, and this is where the CI comes in because then you can, you don't have to go to that one, pull it down, and you know, say, oh yes, I do want the new version. And the CI will say, a new button has been created. Uh, do you want to update the search bar, the product card, the the header, the footer? These are what they're going to look like. And then you kind of say, yes, no, 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 yes, no, or whatever. Okay. So you install, will it just install the latest version? And then it asks you if you want any future updates or how does that work? So when you first build it, you install the latest version, right? Or the, latest the version, version or the version you specifically want because you put the yeah. at sign and you put whatever version you've decided to to choose, right? Okay. So then you can also decide um like if you want, you know, if you want it to be in like the small um semver versions, right? Or like if it's a you know version two update, if it's a breaking change major version, then that's not gonna update automatically. You've got to do that when you think is the right time to do it. Okay. So yeah, it's just the same way you would manage versions for any any packages. Like, all right. Yeah, very cool. I feel like I'm missing something, but it, <laughs> it's like there's there's so much that Big gives you that like creating okay. component libraries is just such a pain um, every time you do it. But consistency across different platforms is key, so you can always bring these into the the separate platforms and things like that. Yeah. Um, 
What am I? What am I missing, Debbie? There has to be more to okay. this, right? So uh, open up the example again and let me kind of okay. talk you through something that maybe might complicate things so much that you're like mind blown. <laughs> um, so if if you click on just where it says Learn Bit React just before the shoe store, just so we go back to the actual scopes. Yeah. So this will take you through. Um, this is all your components, right? So this is how you kind of kind of see what components you have, etc. And you can obviously search for the components using the search bar, using command K, you can kind of find things, whatever. And oh, yeah, these, okay. these are all the actual scopes. So if you kind of click on um, the scopes tab there, and this will kind of show you, this is what I've got, right? I've got a data fetching, I've got base UI, e-commerce, shoe store, perfume store, electronic store, sports store, Figma example. Um, and again, this will grow as we build more and more things, right? So this is how you can have like teams own different scopes. So your base UI team, they own this one. The e-commerce team, they own this one. That means that they can deploy things separately, right? The base UI team, their code is not mixed with the e-commerce team. They can deploy everything on their own. They don't step on each other's toes. If you've got like a junior developer coming on board, they don't have this big massive monorepo to try and figure out what's going on. They're only working in base components. They're only going to see base components. Um, now, the great thing about it is that you could actually um, use the components. So when I was building the shoe store, for example, right? And remember the base UI is in one repo, the e-commerce is another repo, the shoe store is in another repo. Um, we can do a thing which is called import. If you just want to open any component for now, just click on base UI, for example. Um, and let's just take, um, let's take the UI button component. That's kind of probably the best component I have. You can see it on, on the, the left, left down the bottom. Yeah. Or you can just scroll and find the button that looks like a button. <laughs> but yeah, so this one is like, as I said, this is um, how you're able to change the things live. If you change uh, that prop from primary to secondary in there, you'll see that button change. Oh, interesting. So it's not just like a code sandbox where you can pick and choose, but you can edit any code block. Yeah, this is just in the documentation. So you like create this so people can play around with your, um, and you can see I've done a button, uh, which is a primary button as an A tag with the href of going to home. And that's now a link, but it looks like a button. And then you've got the Figma example below. So the designer is able to say, yes, this looks like how it should look. And then you've got further compositions. You can, the whole compositions that I built um, for each one, the disabled, the you know white button, et cetera, et cetera. And then your properties at the bottom of what this button accepts, right? Children, primary, secondary, white, as, and what it does, et cetera. So this makes it easier to be able to use that component and decide if that component is, is good or not. And then you've got the tests, which are live. So if you had to click on the test button, you'd actually see all those tests, right? And you can see, I this is the one I created loads of tests for. Um, not everyone has such a good test, but this <laughs> is like, you can actually just read this as a documentation kind of thing and say, I know what this component does and I trust this component just by just by looking at you know that test. And if you want to mm -hmm. see the test file, you could open the code file and you know actually see um and actually see the test, right? And we didn't look at the dependencies either. Actually, this one doesn't have any dependencies. So if you clicked on dependencies, there's nothing there. But if we went back to the shoe store, you would actually see a load of um dependencies. And you can see like how everything is is built up. Um, so this was wow. quite a lot, right? So it's got quite yeah. a lot of dependencies because it's an application. So it's got like everything. But if you took something like the shoes card, you might see something a little bit smaller and a bit easier to digest down the bottom there, the shoes card. So this is your product card, right? And 
Oops. That's just the composition, yeah. And then the test. So this is easier to see in dependencies, right? The shoes card is made up of the button, the card, the heading, the image, the text, and the currency, right? And those can be reused across multiple, you know, the button is used various times. Uh, the image is used various times. Currency is only used in this one, etc. So basically when um, when I'm building this, what I can do is I can use the import button. So there's another button there at the use one that asks you if you want to install it or import it, right? See the green use box, yeah? And it says import shoes card to your workspace, right? Now this is where you're able to actually take in components from different repos and build, um, like pull it in, that component is now in your workspace. So in this case, if we were in the base UI, well, it wouldn't be, it'd be more like you're in the shoe store and you want to pull in the button component, right? Because the button component belongs to that component library, that base component library, right? It's in a different repo, but now you want to pull it in because you want to make a change because maybe you have superpowers and I don't know, the team who um, are working on that button, they've gone on holidays and there's a, there's a bug and you need to fix it. And you don't want to have to clone another repo um, or basically pull it down just to kind of fix that button. So you can pull it in and also just for developing, right? Because you want to see what that button looks like if you made those changes to your search bar, to your product card, what it be, what it would look like, how it would look, et cetera. So you pull it in, the code is now there in your workspace. And then you make that changes. You can then decide, I don't like it and just like, you know, remove it. Or I like it, this is cool. I'm going to export a new version of this comp of this component, this button component. So you create a new version. Obviously then the, the product card is going to get a new version because it's using that new button version. The search bar is going to get a new version because it's using the new button version. And then you basically say, right, now you don't live here. This is the shoe store and you live in the base UI in the component library. So get out of my workspace and you just eject it. And then it just gets removed. And now it's not in your code base anymore. And, you know, you continue your daily life. <laughs> so that's really cool. But if that is a dependent of the, so if the shoe store is a dependent of the base UI, does the base UI get like a pull request or how does that work to like update the version there where it's dependent from? So in this case, um, when you go back to the base UI, the other components are not going to know that there's been another version. So you'd have to like basically do a bit import where you get, you know, it gets the latest version. And then it says, and then you, then it will update those, right? So you'll say like a checkout latest and like, like you're doing your get differences. You can go basically say bit diff, see the differences, bit checkout, check out to the latest version. And then you can create those, you know, update those to the new version. And then at the moment I'm doing all that in the terminal. Uh, when Ripple CI comes out, you'll be able to do it more on a CI level. You can also, some companies have put in um, a GitHub in the middle for their continuous integration. So that's being done through pull requests and something. Um, it just depends on how you're working, how your team wants oh, to work. How your workflow is. Okay, that makes sense. It'd be really cool, like and Figma, if you have kind of your your library that you can pull from, like your, your component library, and it says, "Do you want to update these things?" Like something like yeah. that would kind of be neat too. Yeah, fake from Figma direct, like definitely. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like just or the designer the just designs it and it just changes. You know, why that do you need to be, be a developer? <laughs> Let's just get to that. Isn't that like web yeah. tool, right? <laughs> Is there like a single source of truth with these components too? Like what UI owns it? Does that make sense? What UI owns it? So you mean like... So you can use it anywhere. You can update it anywhere. But if somebody yeah. you didn't want to push changes to it, who controls like the version 
the main version, the single source of truth of the component? Yeah, so the main version is, I don't know, it's controlled um, by by bit, for example. So it basically means, and I've done this at a developer level, where I've had components that I thought were base components. And then like someone comes along and says, that's not really a base component, right? That that should belong to the e-commerce team because no one's ever going to use this currency as a base component. That's more e-commerce stuff. So So put it in there. And because you're able to easily move the component in there, you just, you know, change it there and decide right now you're going to live here. You just have to basically like tell it now you live here instead of there. Okay. But then you'd have to update your like your links and stuff. Um, now, when you're importing things into Bit, you import it to where it's where it's basically from. Right. So if you're in Base UI, that's going to be like where your component lives. Right. If you decide to then change that, you have to kind of do a little bit of work and say, right. And then you, you, you'll probably end up breaking things because it's meant to have been in base UI. So I would do this at developer level. Then at developer level, you're changing things, you move things around, and you're not going to you know, break anything, et cetera. Um, and if not, what you can do is you can just deprecate a component. And then you can basically say, right, you're deprecated because I've moved you to this one. And now no, no one use that component because we've it's now got a new name and it's under this scope. Um, so there's so many different ways to do it. But yeah, everything is kind of like in bit. And it should stay in base UI in bit unless you deprecate it. But in GitHub, you could actually put it somewhere else into a different record because you, you're pulling it in. And then you can say, and, and GitHub doesn't care if you're here, there, or anywhere, right? It's not okay. important to GitHub um, where your code is stored. So you can start off as one big massive monorepo, and then you can start splitting it up into different repos. And it doesn't matter once your um, your scope is the same, which is what bit cares about. Because that's what the M- npm install when you're using it is is the same. Um, so yeah, so it doesn't matter what repo it lives in. Okay. Or if it's in, it could be in four repos if you want to. If you wanted to get crazy, you could do that as well. Which I don't know why you'd want to, but you could. <laughs> <laughs> I, I will say that no matter what, organizationally, this always becomes a challenge, uh, especially like owning something. So if you have one team that always needs changes and they're asking for it, excuse me. <clears throat> um, and then they, they come in and say, you're not moving fast enough. We're just going to write ourselves. That's where the like really painful yeah. parts start ending up. And it kind of gets back to that, Brittany, on the whole, like who owns the actual piece? It's like, mm-hmm. well, they own the button, but then we wrapped the button and extended the button. And that's now our button. And it's like, oh, wait a minute. So yeah, it, it becomes a serious challenge at the organization level. But sometimes there cannot be the one button that does everything but and sometimes it's like, you know, if you really want to make all these changes, you can just create your own button that does this super cool thing that no one else wants. And that's <laughs> totally cool, right? And you've got to sometimes be able to make those decisions as a team and say, you know, actually, we're going to we're gonna maintain two buttons because it makes sense because this one has a hell of a lot of JavaScript behind it. It's going to like slow other people's down. And we don't, want, we don't need to do that to other people. So, you know, this is a bad example, but you know what I mean. Oh, totally. No, that's perfect example, actually. <laughs> It is. People are going more and more towards trying to do away with JavaScript. So you might have a component like a modal that has no JavaScript and then one that needs JavaScript. So I completely get that. Very cool. All right. I think that summarizes a lot of what Bit's doing. Anything else, (laughs) Debbie, before we pivot? Um, I think everyone should just like play around with it. Like you have to play with it, Alex, Brittany. Um, Test it out. Give us feedback on what you think. Um, but it's, it's fun. It's, it's a different way of thinking at first because you really have to think in components and 
that's where we want the world to go towards is component driven. Um, because, you know, we need to start breaking things up into smaller pieces to make them reusable so that we can scale better. And so that we're not just like, you know, creating all this code and repeatedly creating the same code again and again and again, and then trying to maintain it. And, and then six months down the line, someone says, we're going to change our brand. And like, again, and then you go like, change that <laughs> logo component across like how many applications and it's a nightmare. Yep. So we need to make developers' lives easier. And I believe that's what Bit does. So um, yeah, check it I out. I think Bit is doing a really good job at visualizing that too. Like those dependency graphs and everything that you have in there with the documentation and being able to update props and things. That integration in itself is huge for component-driven development. So yeah. I've created so many design libraries and component libraries and like over the last 10, 15 years, it's amazing, like the differences and the further we can get to this. And I think we joked about it, but if we could have like the marketer in Figma just create something and then push it out, like the better, right? Us, I us think we're getting there. I think Figma harder. is like leading the way for the web and like pushing these component systems like into more integrations. And I'm very excited yeah. for where it's going. Same. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Cool. Well, let's uh, switch over to our perfect picks. And I, I was trying to somehow segue from Atomic Design to your first pick, but I, I couldn't manage it. So go ahead. What's what's your first pick, Debbie? Well, seeing that you're going into Atomic Design, I'm going Atomic Habits, right? Yeah. So this book is absolutely amazing. If you haven't read it, you should all read it. And it's like, what is it about? It's about being able to change like a small habit, make a small habit in your life. Um, that's going to end up giving you or gaining like, so you can gain more, right? To give you an example, um, just something very, very, very small, such as if you're like trying to get into running, right? For example, um, running is hard. So you might say, I'm not able. Well, if you can just like make a habit of saying, right, I'm going to just run just one kilometer a day, right? And then you just go and do it. And if you make a habit of just doing one kilometer every day, that one kilometer means you're going to improve by say 1%. And after a while, you're going to be able to do like even more, right? And this, you know, the same in tech, if you just learn, I've been trying to do it where I never have time to, to learn more. I'm always like so busy, I'm always putting, doing other things. And I'm like, my, my React skills need to improve. How do I find the time to improve my own skills? And then it's like, I'm going to create a habit. Every morning I get up, I'm going to spend half an hour, you know, just studying. I'm not going to like turn on any social media, nothing. And I'm going to spend half an hour just doing that. And if you create that habit, then you end up like doing so much more. And it's that's basically what this book is about, creating those little habits um, so that you can, you know, gain uh, so much more. But definitely it's it's an amazing book. Awesome. Love it. Great pick. I uh, I struggle to uh, build those habits. And so I'm definitely going to have to pick this up. Yeah, it Great. is a really good book. What is your first pick? Yeah, I was looking for some bit uh, content and I was talking a little bit earlier about Svelte would be great because it's a compiler with bit. And I found this blog post on how to build a bit compiler for Svelte. So maybe in the works, maybe you guys could find this person and see what they're doing. But uh, I'm very excited about the future of where Svelte's going and how it's going to compile and build more things together so we don't have... One team could use React, one team could use Vue, and it doesn't matter because it's all HTML, CSS, and JavaScript in the end. So if we could compile all that away and use less JavaScript in the process too, it's great. And then you've got no performance issues because it's just all normal code. Yeah, and I know Astro is <laughs> doing a really good job at that too. Astro is crazy. 
like it allows you to build whatever you want and it just all in a build step like compiles into the stuff that you need we're gonna have to cool. get somebody on for Astro. <laughs> i know <clears throat> wink wink nod nod <laughs> okay what's your second pick my second pick is some rollerblade wheels that I took off of my office chair and put on some rollerblade wheels. I heard this on Syntax, I think. Maybe Wes Boss was the person that was like saying that this works really well. And it it does. I do have really thick carpet and it's not the best, but it's way better than the other wheels. So if you had any kind of like low carpet or hardwood or anything, it is like on a skating rink. (laughs) (laughs) I find myself not wanting to move around. Does this like float you around all day or can you like lock them? Well, like I said, I have long carpet. So, I mean, it's, it's not. (laughs) (laughs) For those on audio, she's wiggling around in the V. (laughs) (laughs) I'm showing my chair moving on my long carpet, which with my other wheels, I couldn't do. It was so hard to even push myself back from my desk. So that's crazy. Those are cool. Nice. Uh, my first pick, uh, Cassie Williams put out this this nice blog post. I don't even know. I just stumbled across it. I don't know. Oh, the README project. Yes, From exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the README project that she has. Um, this is such a great, like anyone that's listening that you're just getting into tech or like looking for your first job in general. Uh, this is an amazing article. She kind of walks through the entire process. And I think it's yeah, just it looks like she great... gives you templates too to use, yeah. which is yeah, awesome. There's, there's tons of cool stuff in here. So for sure, check this out as part of the README project. Nice. My second pick, I finally got to see which. Uh, so so just a little background on, <laughs> on James Bond, No Time to Die. This was the first or the last. How do I say it? This movie was supposed to come out the next week before we got shut down for COVID. And so I've had to wait like a year and a half, a year and a half. <laughs> to finally watch this movie because they, they wanted to wait till theaters. Whoa, was it worth it? Was it worth it? It was really good. It was a very nice ending to like the series. So I, I would highly suggest going to see it if you like James Bond. I know there's a lot of critics but from James Bond, so um, I understand those. But I thought it was great. Daniel Craig's still an amazing actor in all these. I think uh, I read an article about him feeling like he can't do anymore because he just physically can't keep doing it. So I thought that was pretty awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. All right, Debbie, thank you so much for showing off Bit and throwing some awesome, perfect picks in. I'll have to read the Atomic Habits. Yep. And And then, like, tell us about the habits, your new habits you created and how your life improved because of it. You do a whole podcast session on that. I think that is a great idea. I'm going to have to read this book on vacation and then come back with a whole pot on it. Sound good, Brittany? Can we do that? Sounds great. All right. I'll buy one and send it to you. All right. Thanks again, Debbie. Appreciate it. And uh, we'll talk to you soon. See you later. Thank you. Later.